You are listening to episode 43 of the Bastards of King's Grave. Welcome back, everyone. As usual, this is Amin, and I'm joined by several uh, recurring guests. Uh, this is Amber, Amber Rocks on the forums. Uh, this is Greg, Claudius the Fool on the forums. This is Lee, Lord Manderbly on the forums. And I'm Michael, or Mordian on the forums. And today we'll be continuing our tour of the Martin Spear, specifically uh, what appears to be another story in the Georgeverse, or at least in his Corpse Handler uh, stories, Meat House Man, originally published 1976 in Orbit 18, although written a couple of years earlier. This is going to be a spoiler full discussion. Why don't we just go around and start with our lemon cake scores? Um, I give it 4.5 lemon cakes. I thought it was a pretty well written story. Um, it's not as I read it first a year ago, and I, in my head, it was really just gross on many levels. But it actually, it was a little bit better story than I remembered it being. So I liked it pretty well. Um, I'll give it 4.25. I really enjoyed it. It's a very emotional story, um, but I don't want to have to reread it anytime soon. <laughs> um, I, as I was reading this, I went back to the... Um, I think it was the Walk Living Dead collection. So I turns out that I actually read this years before I ever read anything else by George. And I just remember being kind of like Amber, just how f- just dark and, and gross everything was. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty raw story and brings up a lot of uh, emotions, but it's a very powerful story also. Yeah, I'll agree. Uh, I read it a long time ago in a zombie anthology, and it was like overwhelmingly grim and emotional in that context. Um rereading it it has it is less just horrifying and more of a like powerful story so i i'd give it like a like a four i can see why he can't reread it um i i'm not as big a fan actually i uh i don't know for some reason it just didn't hit me emotionally either with the you know feeling sad or with the it being super gross uh so i don't know i'm somewhere in the three neighborhood i think probably Ugh, get out of here, you well-adjusted person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'll give it 3.5 as well. I mean, I, I did find it sad, and I did find it touching, but I don't know, something about the reread in particular brought it down. You can tell he shared a lot with it, but just the overall structure of the story was not as good as some of his other stories. Uh, but still worth talking about, obviously. Yeah, that's Just fair. a bit of, like, backdrop on it, because he talks about it uh, in Dream Song. So he wanted to get it published in... Dangerous Visions, I believe, and then he actually did an initial first draft that was torn apart uh, in, by, I think, the editor or the guy who accepts it, and then he rewrote it and actually then put his full emotion into it. And he put a lot of, like, revealed a lot into it. And again, it was rejected, but less harshly than before. Yeah, that makes sense. But it was, I mean, this is how this, this story kind of fits into the trilogy of loneliness theme, which we've been covering, or just that period of his life in the 73, 74 that uh, professionally was good, but not emotionally and personally. So it's kind of good that we wrap that up with this, although we're going to do Dying in the Light later, which also continues that theme. The novel. <laughs> yeah. Yay. All right. <laughs> Tragic romance. But, well, we're basically just going to go through and do a full spoiler for the failed discussion of it, but just as a preliminary, um, have any of you read any of the other Corpse Handler, or what is the term, Dead Men? series, like where he has these people handling corpses. Have you read his other stories? He has other corpse handler stories? He does, but this is the third of, of three. I've read Override, which is the second. I haven't read the first one, which apparently is the new Pittsburgh one. Huh, I, I didn't even... What what collections are those in? Yeah. Uh, Override is in, in one of the old Song for Laia, at least. like It's like Song for Laia, but it has like hmm. five or six stories in it. 
I had more context going in if you haven't read it because you can you can kind of get what's going on with the corpses, but basically like the corpses are people who are criminals and, and instead of like capital punishment they were punished to this. This was their punishment. So they were murderers or that kind of thing. They, they, they were serious crimes, at least in theory. And then uh, they're used for various means, like usually for industry kind of things. If I read those, I don't remember them at all. I wasn't sure why. Like It kind of seems counterproductive to use humans to do stuff that machines could do very easily. So I, I would have appreciated a little more backstory as to where they come from. Because they only mention, I think, when he gets to the second planet that they're taken from like ships that disappear and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that would have helped the backstory a little bit. Yeah, I mean, in the second story, it talks about first of all a lot of, and this and this, this could fit into the into the uh, George verse because there's only a small number of planets that allow this kind of thing. Most of the planets look down on it uh, and don't allow it, and they might not even be allowed to bring the, the corpses onto the planet. <clears throat> and it's funny because the corpse handlers themselves they always make sure to go on planets that they are allowed to have them, but that capital punishment is actually there and not becoming a corpse. Because none of them want to become corpses. <laughs> so, that's that's made like a point in the second one. Um, and I mean, it does seem pretty horrible to have to end up in this state, no matter what use you're put to. Yeah, it is pretty horrible. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on whether there's any kind of uh, spark left in your mind, or whether you're essentially just. Well, you 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 are you know, gone. Corpse I mean, your, your brain. Yeah, as long as you're gone, then I don't know. I don't think it would bother me any more than donating organs or whatever. Yeah. Well, are they technically zombies? Because I think, Lee, you said you read this in a zombie collection also. That's where I did. And I remember reading this and, like, they're not really – they never died, did they? They were just – they had their brains brains replaced. Oh. So is that any different than replacing their heart or replacing, a, you know, an organ? So do you consider them zombies? Or I mean, they're dead, obviously, but are, they're, they, they're not, are they zombies? But they're not, like, dead bodies. Right. Well, George always gets around this kind of thing. He always bends the rules between, like, oh, is this really a horror horror story? Is it just in her mind? It's, it's, so he always does that kind of thing. So they're that's what the kind of zombie they are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't read the first one. I want to read the first uh, in, the, in this trilogy of corpse handlers. Um, okay. Well, I guess we'll just jump into the story itself. <coughs> Well, it starts off with, uh, it gives a bit of backstory for the main character. A terrible name. <laughs> What's his first Greg name? Greg Traeger. Yeah, I mean, okay. I love the name Greg, but Greg Traeger is just awful. Yeah. It's got that double egg. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I used to misspell my name Gregory when I was writing my stuff out oh. in my books. <laughs> so it reminded me of that. His mom died at a young age, so he was just thrown into this world of corpse handling. Yeah, his life is sad. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they, like, right off the bat, they started off with the the first sexual experience, but really it's so much more, and, and you know, the sex is kind of a titillating part of it, but it's so more just about his need for love. You know, it's just, it's just a funny hook that you think this is going to be about one thing, but it's really not. Well, and it also it explains right away quickly about what's going on here with the... Uh the meat house and then like the, the meat, quote meat because in particular if you haven't read the corpse handling you need that description right away to understand what's going on one thing i found both inter- extremely disturbing but also kind of funny was just like the idea of meat house courtesy yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's well funny. i mean 
<laughs> Did he just make that up, or is that necessarily a real thing, right? Oh, you mean like the, the character? In his mind? Yeah, yeah, like Traeger may have just sort of made that up. I mean, it might be real, yeah. but like he didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's a contradiction of because I mean I mean throughout the whole story he's always he's always seeing how cheap and dirty it is he can't help himself but at least he is it he can tell that it is that compared to the rest. Yeah. It's a very uh, George R. R. Martin touch because it's like kind of horrifying but also like very thorough. Like he always thinks into the details. I mean, the one thing that's common about uh, corpse handling and you were talking about why they don't use robots and that kind of thing. Well, I mean I don't think they have. They have some robots and stuff, and it seems like in, in the second story, it talks about how like you, most of the time it's more efficient to use robots, but in certain jobs, the, the humans are like using corpses are still more effective with the control they have. Well, yeah, but they've got these like skimmers and you know buzz saws and and all these uh, auto mills that it seems pretty. It seems like a step back to actually have humans doing that stuff. I didn't know if there was something like in Dune, like where human, uh, you know, machines had, re- had rose risen up, and there was like some taboo against giving machines complicated tasks or anything. Well, I think part of it is that like these planets suck. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think it's, yeah. yeah, like I think it's, it's like coal mining kind of stuff. Or I mean, the second one, I think they were going for diamonds or that kind of thing. Like, it was just yeah. like it wasn't your typical job. It was kind of like this it's, manual labor. It's cheaper. Like you have some of the equipment, but someone still has to operate that equipment. Because George wrote this in the seventies, so he doesn't have like lots of automated stuff. Yeah. And I think like it's like on these shitty, shitty planets, it's cheaper to like buy some corpse than Yeah. You know. Like child labor than than pay for machines and their upkeep. Yeah. Yeah. The control mechanism is kind of interesting the way they control them, kind of through half sci, half technology. Yeah, makes you wonder if only, like if not everyone can become a corpse handler, or at least like this. There, there's a variability in skills. Like this guy is near the top of it, just pure skill wise. Yeah, that was the impression I got that you had to have something sort of innate that you know you were open to, sort of like the uh, like uh, Rob and Laya from uh, from Song for Laya. I'm sure it can be expanded on, but he talks about how he tries to touch people and they just freak out and run away. You know, it's not everyone gets what he's doing. Hmm. I thought that was just because he's being creepy. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. <laughs> no, could have been that. Walks around up here on the road, he's trying to touch people. But... Oh no, no, not physically touching them. I meant like with his mind. Mm. That's what I thought oh. he was talking about there. Mm. Like, yeah, he touches people. That I had another question I... when we get to it as to when they were talking and when they were actually like having a psychic exchange. Hmm. But we can get to that. Mm. That, could, that could, yeah, that could explain. Okay. I mean, first of all, it, if it, if he had your natural psi ability, like expanded to work with this thing, if he had a high psi ability to start with. Yeah, if he was just walking up to pretty ladies on the street and touching them, I can understand why they're running away. I, I mean, I actually thought, <laughs> I actually thought when he said touching them that he was, uh, it was like metaphorical, right? Like trying to make a connection or something. Yeah. yeah so I, now, I, yeah, I really don't. <laughs> well, there's one particular part where he's where he's talking to Josie, and she he says he told her everything and said nothing. So I don't know if that that could have gone either way, metaphorically or actually having like a psychic conversation. Yeah. Well, that adds a more depth to the story if, if that's what he's doing. I mean, the side part could also mean, like, heck, partly why he has trouble connecting with people just in general. I mean, you don't need to have the side ability to have that problem. But uh, there's other people who have mm-hmm. had side abilities in his stories that have had problem dealing with people. It's one of the, my favorite parts of this story is that he really manages to, like, like unlike um, the first one we did, unlike uh, Song of Lo- uh, Second Kind of Loneliness, like, He's 
he's both like not as bad a person as the guy in Second Kind of Loneliness. Like he doesn't go crazy and kill a lot of people, but he's also yeah. like kind of infinitely sadder and a little bit gross. But he also like the reason he's that much sadder and gross is because he tried like, and he kept trying and it just eventually didn't work. Like it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They have the different escapes. I mean, that guy goes to uh space and this guy those are the meat houses, the escape. Yeah. So eventually he, uh, he leaves, right? That one planet goes to, uh, did we skip Josie? No, Josie's on that planet or is she on another one? She's on that. Yeah, Josie's the first one. She's like the one who comes to about Josie. He meets her like she's a repair person or something or helping out with. Who also has a lively salon of parties. It's a very high society mechanic. Not that they're not out there. Before meeting her, I guess he just resolves that he's going to. Is it right? Is it before meeting her that he resolves not going to go back to the meat house place? Yeah. yeah, and then he just sits there for years and waits for life to begin. That's a pretty touching scene where he makes like a conscious decision to to not go through with it, even though you know to not go back to the meat houses, even though that would be the easiest thing to do. It's a uh, you know it's sort of I mean the guy's probably like sixteen, eighteen years old because when it jumps ahead he's only twenty one I think. So that's mm-hmm. that's actually a pretty mature decision that he makes at that point, which I don't know I would have made that decision. Yeah, he gets he gets that there's something wrong with it. Well, his friends don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like that. Yeah, that's kind of what, I, what makes me sad about this story is that he keeps trying until eventually he just like like I, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but there's a bit where he mentions that there's like a third relationship and you don't even get her name, mm. and it's just like he tries again and it just doesn't happen, and eventually it's just like he just doesn't have whatever it takes to try anymore. Well, and when he's talking to Don, um, you know, he keeps, it's like Josie is his, his touchstone and his inspiration to keep doing better and try and be the person that she would want. But really it does kind of show, you know, when he makes that very first decision not to go back and he, he would take the hard way and take the risks, you know, he's, he's a good guy. Uh, he has it in himself and he just, doesn't recognize that. Also, I love, by the way, that Josie's like, yeah, everybody wants to sleep with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Josie actually is quite similar to Karen yeah. uh, in, in Second mm. Loneliness, the same kind of, ins- same person probably inspired both characters. Yeah, yeah they're very similar. Yeah. And George really likes green eyes. Doesn't Cersei have green eyes? She does. He likes green eyes and he likes blueberry pancakes. But, uh... <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> he also quotes Simon and Garfunkel directly when he says, uh, he touched no one and no one touches him. That's that's right out of I Am Rock. Nice. Which is like, I remember listening to that song and like, well, I was like 15. I was like, yeah, I've got my books. I don't need I don't need a girlfriend. I've got books and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> and uh, so then reading this, it's, it's pretty, kind of took me back a little bit. <laughs> well, actually, right even before... Uh, Josie, he kind of starts to idealize uh, like who he thinks is handling the corpses, but then he, he's told it's, like, yeah. it's just a feedback loop, and it's based on your yeah, own. That ability. was the first little surprise. Yeah. This was a shock. To well, him. that's the the funny thing about like the central conceit of the corpse handling is that it allows like like what wouldn't be that like yeah you wouldn't criticize him if 
instead of retreating to this like creepy meat house, he just retreated to like being alone. But even though it's, it's functionally kind of the same, like instead at the end, it feels like it doesn't feel like, Oh, he's alone, but maybe something better will happen. Like it really does feel like he's almost like he's dead. Like he's killed himself. Like it's just, he's so like you, you can't really come back from it from where he goes. Yeah, that's definitely creepy. I think on my on the second read, I got a little more used to the corpses just being, I mean, yeah, he calls them meat, and that's a really visceral, disgusting term. But, I mean, they're really functional. Uh, but the idea of going in and, you know, have you seen those really realistic, like the sex dolls? It's just so incredibly creepy. For the people who aren't handlers, they're just dead. Like the the corpses, they don't they don't react. So that's another kind of signal that there's a so not everyone can be a corpse handler. But it goes into like why why is the meat house wrong? Is so there's two two main reasons. One is because you're it's the ultimate objectification objectification of people. They actually become right. objects. There, that's one. Well, they are objects. They are actually are objects now. And, and, and yeah, they're just bodies. And two, I mean. It, for the person that's going in as well, it kind of can ruin the relationship with the people because he always talks about it's never as good as the meat house and it never can be mm. because the real person's not going to be responding to you like a machine. So. Yeah. Yeah. It well, kind of reminded me of uh, the movie Don John. If anyone saw that where oh, I mean, it yeah. was written in 76. So he really couldn't be talking about online pornography, but just how some people mentality just, it clicks and it's tough to get out of that world and it's it's easier just to go online to, to have it all online where you can click a button get exactly what you want than to have an actual relationship in real life and i mean i put that in, on the size like don john in space jokingly but that's actually kind of what it reminded me of because it yeah. you know it's, it says a lot about you know psychology how these guys that he's going with they don't think twice about just going in there and getting their needs met that way but he actually makes a choice not to do it and that's yeah. where you know i thought it was a pretty 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 uh, tough choice on his part but that's also probably part of the reason why like those other guys may end up meeting like they might get married and maybe they have like kind of boring bleak like weird gross corpse planet kind of lives but like they're probably perfectly satisfied but the same sort of like internal whatever that drove him to like refuse to go is the same reason why like when he flips that around like it's such a defeat He's such an all-or-nothing guy. Exactly. He's a little too black and white to ever be satisfied with something that's gray. He also knows uh, mm. about, like, that's just the thing that links to the gladiator gladiator fighting. Again, he knows that, like, there's something wrong about that in, in terms of, like, people, these were people, now they're turned into objects for your amusement to, to fight. He kind of links that together. Yeah, what's, well, I mean, the thing that I don't understand, uh, I don't understand his perspective is why why it's okay for him to use them to drive, you know, mining equipment or whatever, but it's not okay. I mean, like, to me, that just doesn't, that doesn't line up, um, but you know, whatever. Or to do theater or something. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? Like, <laughs> I don't understand why those things don't bother him, but the gladiatorial or the uh, sex stuff does. Well, maybe just in the in the other things, he's not. They're not hurting anyone, even though if they're only hurting each other, because it's either he's someone's either basically raping dead bodies or killing people in a, in a coliseum. Well, but exactly. I mean, that's an incredibly them. loaded thing to say, right? Like, no, no, no I know, yeah. but that's probably he's he's got to have a line in his head, and that's probably yeah. No, I'm saying I'm saying I'm sure I, he obviously does, and I'm just saying that I think that that's, you know, yeah. uh, not realistic or not you know correct. Yeah, either a cor- either using corpses is wrong. 
or well, I mean, based on an objectification the answer, then, then they all they all are objectification. But you could come up with other reasons to distinguish, right. like these two scenarios from moving rocks or something. You can just yeah. say the effect it has on the person doing it, or that kind of thing. like. There's other reasons you could separate it. Just on the yeah, he should he should be opposed to all of them, technically. Like I feel like the most repulsive part of the meat house stuff is the the creation, not really what you use for after the fact. Right. Yeah. And even then, I mean, like, obviously there was, um, there were, I mean, there were only a few lines about how the core, how the meat was created or whatever, but it certainly seems like there's, uh, potentially some abuse in that system. Well, they talk, I mean, it's, there would be a black market for it, and they kind of talk about, it, like, ships disappearing yeah, and stuff. Because, exactly. like, if you right, just exactly. were, were stuck on, like, you know, serial cr- criminals or killers, like, that's not going to fill the meat houses. They're going to end up yeah, with the attractive ones, the ones that promise attractive. It's like there's got to yeah. be a black market for this, and innocent people are sent. Yeah, also, and you have to. I'm oh, sorry. You have to think. Uh, sorry, I was going to say you have to think that even uh, governments are probably you know executing more people than they would be executed like otherwise. Kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, but just if they can, you know, if instead of having to, you know, go through some sort of execution process, they can just sell them. Then you have to think that the courts are probably. Uh, the governments have become a little bit more likely. I was thinking this would be like more of a deterrent. Like if you knew that you were either going to be executed or turned into a sex slave, you know, you would probably think twice maybe before killing that person. But uh, I mean, deterrence really doesn't work. It's been proven, but it's just interesting thought from like a criminology point of view that uh, yeah. that's that's a worse a fate worse than death almost. It is so much more horrifying. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can see why someone would feel that way, but if you're gone inside, I mean, if you're dead, then I, I could, I don't really care that much what happens. Well, a lot of people might not afterward. believe that they're fully gone and there's no way of knowing until right, it's like, yeah. done. Yeah. It might be kind of even rumored that you're still there. Is the soul in the brain? Who knows? Well, it also, it depends on what this, <laughs> that the dead man's brain is. Cause like they don't really explain, like, are they hollowing out everything you have and then like putting in like, a little computer, or are they like the consciousness? Is it like, uh, like they leave the automatic part? It would make sense, right? Why would you replace the old automatic stuff? Right. Well, right. But I mean, like, I would be much more nervous about like them just jumping on top of my existing brain because you don't really know yeah. how much consciousness would be left. It's true. Sure, what yeah. they think is the conscious part that they missed the last little part in the back, and you're stuck in there. Yeah. Uh, well, in, the, in the graphic yeah. novel, like they just show like a little incision on the side of their oh, head, yeah. so I think it's more like a lobotomy type thing where they just clip something or put something in. I don't think yeah. they're actually like open up the head and taking the brain out, even though that's what they say they do. Like they remove the brain and put in a, a they call it a synth 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 brain something synth- like that. Yeah, dead man's brain. I think. Before we move on, I guess we can also mention because uh, some of us have seen the graphic novel adaptation uh, drawn by Rhea Golden, George's assistant. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's a very distinctive art style. One, I think, that actually fits uh, this kind of story. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I really liked it. I was It captured a lot of the story pretty well in a way I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read it I read it first before I reread the short story, and I, it definitely you know touched on all the important parts that I remembered, and I think it really captured the the vibe of the story, and then the reading the short story just kind of filled in some of the, you know, some of his POV stuff. Yeah. I liked how it didn't, it did a good job of not showing the universe as this like awesome star Trek, you know, post 
you know, awesome like spacefaring society. Like it's dirty, it's grimy. It's there's nothing real like uh, glorious about it. It's all just dirt and grime, and that that's that's what I got from the story. Even though they do have skimmers and spaceships and everything. Well, it's really disturbing. Is one part a lot of it is disturbing. You see in visual form, but like even when he's just like mm. waiting like on the street, and they have like the corpse just standing on the road, like kind of like advertising. Yeah. And it's just like oh my god, it's grim. So so grim. Although I thought it was funny when I went to read the short story, uh, it said Traeger was a a jowly frog faced boy, and I and I thought I didn't get that impression from the story. Like he was just kind yeah, of he was Jack. Oh, no, he had he had six a six pack and a lot. No, of but he does become jacked in the story as well. Like he gets stronger. Well, he yeah. becomes muscular, but he's still fat. <laughs> He he doesn't have a six pack in the story. Well, in the story, in the not graphic adaptation, she makes uh, what's Donnelly this like really fat <laughs> guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's that's quite the large tummy Donnelly has there, and she's <laughs> which I, I didn't I didn't get that. But from she gets story. Donnelly's uh, character well, I think, like in terms of him being like an awkward kind of mm-hmm. guy, even though he's just like yeah. the fatter version of rather than the, what he was like more of a mm-hmm. thin guy. Okay, well, I, we may, I may at times, or we may at times make reference to the graphic novel as we move forward because it's going to illustrate stuff. But we've got to Josie here. Yeah, I did think it was funny that there was so much. Once he finally did meet someone, it, instead of just hanging out in his room reading, I mean, there was so much on the planet to do. It's just too bad that he couldn't have started doing this stuff on his own and learned how to interact with people and meet people. You know, he had to have someone there to hold his hand. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm also, yeah. I'm, all, I'm very curious in the story about like how he was raised because like he almost seems like someone who's raised in one of those like Soviet orphanages where he had like no human contact because mm-hmm. he's so. He had a corpse nanny. <laughs> he's like, well, it sounded like nervous about it. It sounded like his mom died, like his dad wasn't around at all and his mom died fairly young. Yeah, that was sort of the impression is that he was basically an an orphan at some point. Yeah. Yeah, and at some point they realized he had the ability to to be a or the potential to be a good corpse handler, so they they put him down that road. Mm. The uh, graphic novel captures the Josie's parties pretty well, like the description of that. <laughs> yeah, it's a place it does. to go when you go to a good party. Go to Josie's. And you can tell he looks incredibly awkward even just sitting there next to her in, the, in a couple of those panels. Well, it's just awkward the way he writes it. He's like, he likes to pretend that it was just him and her going out and other people were just coming along. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's so sad. Thoroughly in the friend zone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is funny. It's at some point when he's, t- you know, that he he does know, you know, why did he lie to himself? He'd had hints. You know, part of him the truth but he can't he can't deal with it so he just kind of sets it aside hmm. yeah he quits hmm. well and then he conf- finally manages to confess his love doesn't work out again very second kind of loneliness type scene yeah that's a great scene it's really well done look it's just like perfect like I mean everyone's done that everyone's done. and it's, it's like that it's always like that did any of you think that conversation where it was all like TJ, you know, just the dialogue? Mm. I automatically thought that was like some weird psychic thing or that you just thought that was just bits and pieces of a conversation? Because it wasn't complete. It was like thoughts thrown at you. That's why I thought it was odd that it wasn't just dialogue. 
mean, yeah, I mean, it was odd. But, uh, I, yeah, that's sort of what I thought was just that, you know, George wanted to sort of get the gist of a conversation without writing, like, a long mm-hmm. conversation about something, like, with the full back and forth and pause. Because, I mean, it was all supposed to be, like, you know, them sitting on a tree stump or whatever after work for, like, you know, hours. And so he just kind of wanted to right. get the gist of it rather than have to go through, you know, a huge thing. Yeah, I kind of took it as, you know, in the years later, as he looks back, these are the things that he remembers. These are the points that yeah. stick out to him. Okay. But where's the part where it says, like, he, he was this with uh, Lauren that it says he, he shared everything without saying something, or was it with Josie? Well, that was the that was that one line that kind of made me, okay, this must be psychic, but now I realize it's probably not psychic, because it's just the way he said it. Because she said that they shared everything, but he never said a word. So I think that meant, means that he just didn't really say anything substantial. Mm-hmm. That he I was just going was along with, with it. With that Lauren? was a Josie. Laurel? Was oh. it? I don't know. I don't know. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, it says Traeger talked a lot with Josie and never said a word. Hmm. So, then he moves and uh, meets Don. Yeah. And that's like, well, that's such another sad part because his relationship with Don is so sweet. Yeah. He tries so. And like, Don. Fucks him like that, that part makes because like he's trying so hard to be a good friend and he is like he keeps like like I am I would not tolerate a friend of mine doing half the things Don does no matter how hard the very I was first night to he's just her. like I like her it's just like you just met her you dumbass like yeah yeah <laughs> and he feels guilty about it that's the that sad thing like he loves being a mentor to this kid and you know so much so that. You know, when he hurts Don's feelings by trying to stand up for his own feelings, then he feels guilty. I'm like, no, this guy's a douche. Yeah, it's like in the reread, you're like, don't introduce him. <laughs> Leave him there on that planet. <laughs> yeah, just like, and also like, it doesn't matter. Like, the, he's so, it's not like the friend is like, I like her, but like, I'm your friend and I'm going to do my best here not to like be a shitty person like the friend like actively pursues her yeah yeah there's no attempt at all to back away from it it's unbelievable and he gets the girl in the end what's even worse <laughs> <laughs> well it was love right can't blame him does they have that one line was like don just love somebody else they <laughs> <laughs> could have stopped it earlier well see don was all he wasn't capable of the, the thing that's really annoying about it, at least the way it's described, is like he he couldn't really he couldn't have gone and met her on his own. So he had to like piggyback his way to meet her, and then yeah, it was a third yeah. world type thing. Like if he had just met her on her own separately, well, whatever, that's her choice. But it's like he couldn't even have the guts to meet her on her own. He needed help to meet her. He carried through it. How does he meet uh, Lauren again? He meets her like when he's visiting a teacher um. or something. I think it's he when he's on leave in this in the city in Gideon. Yeah, Gideon with a like, Y. So he's yeah, doing, she's the, a, doing the Y thing. She's a student who goes, and they both go to see the same teacher. He's just chilling. The New Pittsburgh is mentioned, which I think is related to the first story. I which I haven't read New Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts of the story. I love. I'm from Philadelphia, so I love. <laughs> that he calls like the worst of the correspondents New Pittsburgh. <laughs> Well, like that that's one of like that made me laugh out loud the first time I read the story. So he does go to the 
to the meat house one time before he meets Laurel. Um, after he was that after he tried to is that after his little spiel about trying to reach out to people and just not finding anything. Yeah, and then Don says, like, no, you don't. You, what about all the stuff you tell me? You you can't go back on your word, because what about me? Oh, yeah, and he's like, it's, it's a lot fucking easier to just tell you than to do it myself. Yeah, because yeah. when he's talking to Don, he's, he's talking to himself a pl- two planets ago or whatever, so it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's more pressure also to, to live up to it. Yeah. Also, his, when she dumps him, it's cold. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. And it seems like it happens fast, too, but we don't know the whole time thing, but it, it's literally over the course of a paragraph where it goes yeah. from I love him but I still love you to get out of here Donnie's coming by <laughs> what? yeah that, that was a little weird to me too yeah. I, d- I do think it was kind of funny when he first talks about meeting her about her not being you know come, being beautiful right away and I just think this is so hilarious it's like although oddly she grew more beautiful with time and maybe that was because she was losing weight maybe that was because blah 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 because he was falling in love with her but it's just like that's that's funny. <laughs> like, you really had to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a weird choice. I didn't even notice that. I'm a chick. I notice that shit. <laughs> uh, that part of the story makes me upset. It's just, like, so rough. Because it just slowly starts to go downhill. And then I mean, the sex was never as good. And uh, You wonder if that might have affected the relationship as well. Well, the way I took it, he... It... it it almost made him seem it made me like him a little bit more because he understands that you know technically it's it's not ever going to be as as good but it's it's still worth it to him because it's that emotional intimacy yeah he was saying that the sex wasn't as good as the meat house but he wasn't saying that as a, as a complaint he was saying it as but it's worth it because of this, you know, the connection and everything. No, but I mean, so. then it says, and after a while, she began, she began to close or whatever. It makes you wonder if even without, even without trying, it's still affecting things somehow. Like, mm. Also, that was his first sexual experience was being taken to a, a meat house. So that he's always going to compare it to that. Yeah. yeah. And gosh, would this have been, I guess this would have been the first real woman he slept with, would it? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah I suppose. God, this story makes me sad. It's like a little, like, the little bit of, like, sliminess at the end makes it, like, slightly less poignant than um, Second Kind of Loneliness. Mm. But it's still, like, it's it's bleaker, I guess. It's grayer. It leaves you more depressed. And when they're talking and she's trying to tell him that, that Don likes her, and he's just, he's so naive and sweet but then at the same time like he's he's only doing what you know he's just like don't you know don't be too hard on him but you know like you don't want him to 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 be like a macho asshole and you know come step off my girl and get all in don's face like he's as kind as he can be about it and it just bites him in the ass so hard yeah sometimes you do have to be a little more sort of yeah and the the whole who do you love more he's like oh well as you know as long as you love that's, me more i guess it's fine. Ever. like i love both of you but <laughs> make a decision like you're like leading them both on there mm-hmm. yeah also they're such douchebags they like keep showing up at the cafe he works yeah. at like why <laughs> that's just mean well they need to get coffee yeah <laughs> they like to like the theater 
Well, and it kind of makes it, it, it just kind of makes you wonder, like, I feel like every single person must have been through each of these experiences in one way or another in their own life, you know, been in love with somebody who doesn't love you, um, been in love with someone and then had it, had it just fade or have them leave you for someone else, you know, this happens to everyone. And it's just, you know, what is it about this guy that he can't, you know, that he just can't recover. He can't bounce back because if we all, you know, if we'd all been hurt one or two times and then couldn't do it, there wouldn't be any population. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things he does really, I mean, that was pretty dark and just heartbreaking, but I actually have to go. My boss is back downstairs. Sorry. (laughs) Bye. Uh, No, I was saying one of the things that was really heartbreaking was I think it was after Josie where he's, he has like the light shown on the fact that he had an awful existence, but he thought he was getting by. And sometimes having that light, you know, it says he was alone now more than ever. The piece of his routine of his half-life with the corpses was gone. It was stripped from him. That's almost, I mean, that's pretty jarring just to have to find out that, Hey, I thought I was doing okay, but turns out I wasn't. And then have it all taken away times 10 is even worse later on, Mm. but he's, he hits you on so many levels of this story. Okay. So then he, he goes downhill, hits the bottom. And goes into uh, gladiator fighting, which he's really good at, which makes sense, right? He's quite a good corpse handler, and he's going to become a champion. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like yeah, it's uh, basically. I mean, he has an incredible talent, right? I mean, if he's becoming uh, uh, the, you know, in sort of like a what I presume is a pretty like high profile and well paying job. I mean, he's you know presumably one of the best corpse handlers in the world well in in the end of the story i mean it, it seems like basically he's become rich enough that he has his own personal yeah like exactly he's yeah his own person yeah and so he just gives up on love now, was there a song or something you wanted to mention or the lyrics related to this oh yeah so so we got to the little chapter three of duvalier's dream and i had no idea what that was so i googled it and it's actually a song by chris christopherson um that's actually a fairly upbeat sounding song, but the lyrics were, um, you know, like Duvalier was a bitter man who cursed the morning sun and, um, a disillusioned dreamer who would never love again, who tired of it and found that it was rotten. Um, and it was just, you know, this whole song about the fortune found a girl who flame, who fanned a flame he thought had died, whose burning beauty cut him like a knife. So it, so it really just lined up perfectly with this story. And I wondered, um, you know, like, Hey, maybe George was listening to this song over and over again while he was writing this miserable story. Um, That is weird. A country song, an upbeat country song about a breakup. I've never heard. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I didn't mean to badmouth. Michael. (laughs) <laughs> I'm safe in New York. <laughs> no, you're fine. I don't. <laughs> I'm. I, I. It's not. It's not a crucial part of my life or anything. <laughs> okay. Well, there's not much more to so, say. I think we've so pretty much finished the story. I think. Do you have any final comments? Or well, one thing I was just going to say is that it, it struck. It strikes me every time. Like it struck me in second kind of loneliness and in. Uh, I thought I had something else. Maybe it was the second kind of loneliness. Um. But the the guy's problems seem to me like so much deeper than like oh I can't get a girlfriend like they're mm-hmm. both just these like really lonely solitary guys right like they don't like other than Don uh, they don't seem to have like good friends and like even like when uh, Trigger was hanging out with uh, the first girl Josie um, you know he was hanging out with all of these other people but he wasn't friends with any of them right he didn't talk to them he didn't 
you know, make any connections with them. And like, that's always seemed to me to be like sort of the, the bigger problem for those guys. It's, it's not that, oh, they can't hold on to a girlfriend or they can't find a girlfriend. It's that they're just not very good at being social generally, even, uh, even just as friends with, you know, other people. Yeah. The, the fact that they can't connect, that's, that's yeah. uh, more of this, that's more of the, issue not not a symptom I'm, right exactly. backwards yeah, yeah, yeah you know there's a deeper thing going on that that's just how it shows itself but sure. there's also there's no antidepressants in any of these stories so that seems a lot of <laughs> with some some paxil or something yeah you would you would think they could come up with something uh i i kind of thought about the whole arena thing and i feel like a terrible person for thinking this but i kind of feel like why not you know, why should he not, if he's got this skill, if this is what's acceptable on this planet and several other planets, you know, why should he not use that to his benefit and, you know, make all this money and, and be the, the hero or whatever. And I thought maybe, maybe, maybe just maybe there's a chance that he might still meet someone. Um, probably not because probably anybody who'd be interested in him at this point is just after fame and fortune or whatever but i don't know it was it was such a downer ending but i couldn't help but think well maybe <laughs> yeah like i i sort of had the same uh the same sort of thought which was that it was one of the reasons i think why the story didn't hit me quite as hard as it might have is um like just the fact that the guy does have such an amazing talent right and he's making huge amounts of money in the arena and he's probably pretty famous because of it and also, I don't have, uh, you know, any more moral qualms with the arena than I did with, you know, the mining or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I, all those things together make me, like, sort of, like, you know, if at this point, you know, he can't, you know, I, like, at the very least, it's, it's not the worst life in the world <laughs> sort of a thing, right? Like, he's bummed out, he's depressed, and, and you know, that's, that's you know, bad, and that, you know, doesn't, doesn't uh, go away just if you're successful or whatever. But at the same time, it's not exactly the same as uh, being stuck out on a ring and, uh, you know, past Yeah, but you can see in his yeah. eyes in the, uh, at least the graphic form, he's just like, he's like dead himself, kind of. Yeah. Like, he's just given up. I mean, he had the third relationship, and then it just kind of, he doesn't even feel anything in that third relationship. It's like a parrot. Well, they bring it back with that. He keeps quoting Josie when she's talking about the machine, like, how many times can you keep mm. no- yeah. using something knowing it's broken? And that's basically what he ends the story with. How can you right. keep saying the same thing over and over again until you just give up? And uh, that kind of led me into the Louis C.K. quote. I did it as a joke, but when I read it, like, if you read it without his intonations, it's actually awful and sad. But uh, I don't know if you want to include the clip of it at the end of the episode, or, or I could read it, but it's actually come straight out of this uh, of the story. Uh, okay, you can read it if we're done. Are we done? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think probably. Also, we can end it with some some comedy then. <laughs> it says it's from his 2013 HBO special. He says uh, there's people there's people out there who say there's just nobody for them. Oh no, sorry. There's people who say there's someone for everyone. Uh, then there's people out there who there's just nobody for them. People like to say things like there's someone for everyone. Nope, not true at all. And stop saying it because it's mean to people who never find anybody. There are millions of people out there who all unanimously, unanimously decided they are light speed ugly and nobody kisses them on the lips even. Nobody touches their genitals their entire life. They just wash it and then they die. That's all that happens. And if you feel bad, you can go find one and fuck one tomorrow. You can just solve the problem right there with all that kindness in your heart. <laughs> So I thought that sums it up. Maybe he was reading uh, Meat House Man back in 2013. <laughs> wow. Ouch. It's a good book to read after a breakup. It might make you feel a little better about yourself. 
Or it might send you the complete opposite way. Uh, I say or a lot worse. <laughs> I must say, I kind of feel like the last, the last sentence of the, the, of all the bright, cruel lies they tell you, the cruelest is the one called love. I just feel like that's so cheesy. Like I almost wish they hadn't even tacked that on there. Yeah, I feel like his editor at one point was like, "You have to end every story with an awesome sentence, yeah. whether or not it's accurate." So he's like, "But it, it's 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 that's it. It's not even part of the paragraph. It's its own separate section. So it's right. let's end it with that and send." <laughs> yeah, I did kind of like how with there was a parallel between the comic and then the story. Like when I when I read the comic, I actually had to go back and I was like, "Wait, aren't they going to tell us that that's a?" that that's a, a meat girl. And then I had to go scroll back up and I was like, Oh, you can see where she put the little, the little box under the bed. That yeah. Does I thought that the was brain nice control or whatever. Yeah. Like the and hair was, was covering the collar and his hand was mm-hmm. over her neck. So you didn't know it until like the absolute last panel, which mm-hmm. in, in the book, I didn't think that was a big reveal. I, I knew the whole time that that was a, that was a corpse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think when I read it the first time, I didn't quite catch it. And so, uh, you know, obviously, you remember the the hook on the reread, but like I thought it was cool how it kind of tied in with the comic. So we're reading something about butterflies next time. I mean, teddy <laughs> teddy bears. Well, I guess this kind of completes our uh, for now short story discussions. Like we'll come back to it, but just I mean, Dying of the Light is the first novel we're going to do, and mm-hmm. we might or may not be able to do a short story before then. I mean, there is Night Flyers; it still fits into the. Uh, George verse, but we're going to be recording less often than we have this summer. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me again. Yeah. Thanks very much. Uh, pleasure as always. Yes, thank you. A lot of fun. Yes. Check us out at uh, bok.podcastoficeandfire.com and on Facebook and on our forums. And we'll see you next time. Take it easy. Bye. Thank Bye. you. the latest episode i saw it dropped i haven't heard it yet hey i did it was a, it was a pretty pretty interesting interview he was he was a lively guest <laughs> oh it was such a pain to edit because uh, i had to put two files together there's like gaps oh, okay so I to forever to edit that one good well i got this done let's see if it recorded <laughs> let me know if you need the file as usual hey hey, hey. how's it going here one sec, I gotta switch rooms.
So are these corpse handler stories? They are in the uh, uh, George verse, right? That was a question I had. I, I didn't recognize any of the planets they mentioned, but I figured you guys would would know because you read more. Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not sure. I didn't really think about it. Well, they still there were still skimmers mentioned at one point, mm-hmm. right? I think they could easily fit in there. I guess we'll mention this. Yeah, I don't think there's a, any kind of contradiction. Any oh, no, someone, no, go ahead. They're definitely part of. The Martin verse. There, I don't remember which one of these worlds, but one or two of them are mentioned in other stories. Because someone posted a and list of all the stories at one point, but I couldn't find them. Mm. I didn't remember which uh, thread it was in, but it's not in the the thread. It might be in one of the episode threads, but I could not find it. And he does talk about the clean worlds, like Old Earth and Zephyr. I don't remember Zephyr, but if there's an Old Earth. <laughs> Who looked at the uh, comic, by the way? Did anyone look at that? <clears throat> I did, I did. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. it. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. So we'll mention yeah, I that like- like at, at the end. We'll go into that. All right, are we good to start? <clears throat> sure. Yeah, let's yeah, do it. <clears throat> I think so. What kind of announcement order are we doing this week? I mean... It's not going to tell us ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoever psychic powers are strongest goes first. <laughs> oh, does, does there a preference? No. <laughs> no, I don't have a preference. Okay. Well, you have to figure it out then when we. Uh, let's just do it alphabetically. Okay. Something simple. Oh, that's not exciting. <laughs> by forum name or by real name? Uh, it doesn't go. matter, right? Yeah, it's, it's the, the same. same both ways. Yeah. I'm fine with that. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. 